When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Hello, Oilers fans, and thank you once again for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Big shout-out to our sponsor, DraftKings. If you're going to sign up, make sure to use promo code THPN. And hockey season is just about here. Rookies and vets, they're in town. They're skating. And in no time, preseason will be upon us. But we've got to bring a couple guys in here to get this offseason chatter going and, and get their thoughts on the upcoming season. Alan Mitchell of the Lowdown with Low Tide, Matthew Wanick, also TSN 1260, but one half of the Dave Jameson joining me now. And guys, first things first, I do have to apologize. I wanted to do this show with you guys on Monday. I wanted to tape it on Monday. I sent you guys the request, and all day long, I did not get a response. I thought you guys were big-timing me, but in reality, I was big-timing you guys. You both agreed to come on the show. For whatever reason, my Twitter didn't give me that notification, and uh, we just didn't do it. So I'm sorry for uh, standing you guys up on Monday. Hold up a second. You weren't there Monday because Al and I had a wonderful Euler chat on Monday, and I guess we didn't even realize you weren't there. It was a great chat. It was a great conversation, and I guess you missed it. I'm all talked out. I got nothing left, boys. <laughs> Bye. That shows how how uh, crucial I am to this process here. I, I really don't need to, need to be here. I could just throw something up, maybe uh, Orioles-related, Orioles-Yankees, maybe Eagles, and you guys could just go off on your own tangent, and, and I could just leave. Is that, is that cool? Nope. You got to be here and suffer through it. <laughs> you want to know something? With the way Al's been going this week with my team, you might need a stay to moderate this. <laughs> it's just well, a little fun between f- friends. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. It's fun. Yeah, you just do things and my teams lose, and you just have a great laugh there, Al. <laughs> Well, so far I am. I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> the power of time. Well, let's talk about the Edmonton Oilers, guys. Thank you very much for doing this. I, I do really appreciate it. We did it, I don't even know, a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago, whenever it was, and it was a lot of fun. Got a lot of good feedback, so we had to bring you guys back, the rivals of TSN 1260, to talk about the Edmonton Oilers. And, uh, Al, I mean, let's just start off with you. Uh, how excited are you to see these images and, and, you know, the interviews? The guys are in town. Hockey season is back in Edmonton, and, and that's always a good thing. It is, and, and uh, you know, I, I spoke to Tyler Tulio the other day, uh, and I see that uh, Borgo and, and uh, Samirakov and Broberg had their avails uh, and others uh, today. And these are, you know, we, we're seeing the rookies now, and they, these are kids who, for whatever reason, the pandemic, the timing of everything, it, it's been very strange. They haven't had the opportunity uh, to go through the, the, the rookie camp and maybe to play Calgary. Uh, they used to play out in Penticton. Maybe that'll come back. So this is really a chance for... Uh, 
the the fans to have a look at these guys, see how they skate, ski, see how they play, uh, but for the players too to to get a look at what is a gorgeous building, uh, and it, that's a nice carrot too. Maybe one day these kids will be playing there. So it's a, I think it's a great thing for hockey. We, we're all getting started. Obviously, uh, season tickets are being purchased. There's lots going on. It's a great start. Uh, I like the players. I, I think they've got some really good prospects here, and I, I can't wait to get going. Maddie, you were one of the few media members down at games last season. Obviously, no fans allowed in attendance. How excited are you to get back to a season where there's going to be fans in the building watching with you guys? It's going to be great. Like, right off the bat, I'm not going to lie, we had a great situation and a great setup with our low seats and we had our own table. And it was, as I said it back then, it was a really cool experience for us to get as media people to be able to watch the world's best players in a building all to ourselves. But there were many times last year where there were big games or we'd be walking to the rink knowing that it's, this is a huge matchup. And we'd look at each other and go, this would just be better with fans. The energy that would come from it, to, you know, when the Leafs come to town or when the Habs come to town or get that big Saturday night when the Jets were in town, even with McDavid going for 100 points, and it, had he got that 100th point with the crowd engaged with it, it would have just been that much more special. So while last year it was a fun experience, it just wasn't the same without the fans because it would have been a better experience. And I'm so excited. And I know everyone else in the media, we're pumped to get back to our regular spot um, because that means that the fans are going to fill up the building and that's just going to make for a better atmosphere. And I think that also leads to better hockey because the players do feed off the energy of crowds. And I think when the Oilers fans are in the seats at Rogers Place, that's going to feed the Oilers players to get going and we're going to just see better, better hockey. And I'm looking forward to that. Al, the big news on a Wednesday, Dylan Holloway, the team's 2020 first-round pick out of Wisconsin, uh, undergoing wrist surgery once again, and looks like he'll be out till at least November. They're saying three months. When you heard this news, I mean, how surprised were you? And what do you say to the people that say, why did he wait so long to get this done? Well, you have to wait. You know, they had the surgery at the end of the year or just about the end of the uh, Badger season. So you have to, when you have a surgery, there's a healing process. And from what we were told today, uh, it there were, you know, June, July, August, there were, you know, some discomfort and uh, dissatisfaction by Holloway. It didn't feel like it was uh, healing. But, you know, Ken Holland isn't making that call. Doctors are making that call. They're saying, hey, you know, let's let's see how this progresses for another two weeks or whatever the case may be. So I, I think there's a there's a sense of, you know, a bunch of guys in a room making these decisions. Whenever you're at this level, whenever there's a, a young player whose career is on the line, there's the family, there's the player, there's the agent, there's the team. Everybody's making the decision based on what's best for this this young player. So uh, I think they waited because they were hoping that, that, you know, I think they said 30%. They were hoping 30% would become 50% because that's kind of how you do it once you have a surgery. Now, they get to this point, they make the decision to have the surgery because 30% isn't good enough. I totally get that. I know that there are a lot of Oiler fans who kind of view management as the enemy, but they're not actually out, you know, trying uh, actively uh, to sabotage these young players. They're trying to do the best for them, and I think that's why they waited this long to have the surgery again. So, Matt, let's just say, let's say it is three months and, you know, he's out skating potentially back going into the new year. We would assume he's with the Bakersfield Condors. There's going to be the Olympic break. So, you know, no rush to try to push him up to the big club at that point. But when the Oilers return from the Olympic break, do you think there's any chance Dylan Holloway can be someone that they can bring into the lineup? Just kind of that late season acquisition? Um, 
I don't know about that. Like I said, I always take the mindset that you, you you let these guys first ripe a bit and prove something in the American Hockey League, and then you bring them up only when you need to early on, and you see what they can produce and what they can show. And if they show that they're worthy of being in the NHL, they stay there, and you find a spot for them. Uh, for them. Otherwise, you put the American Hockey League and you slowly bring them up. Uh, you're talking about some of the toughest hockey at that point. And, um, you know, I don't know if I would necessarily want to see a Dylan Holloway. I guess part of it depends on how his American Hockey League season had been going once he returns um but unless there's an injury i think the oilers i think you kind of go with what you have and if anything you try to go at the deadline if you need some depth in that bottom six i'd rather have a veteran nhl guy to come in and help this team we've seen far too long um rookies and young players coming in a little too soon and i think if you're getting set for a big playoff push because the oilers look just making the playoffs isn't good enough they got to go win a series um and dylan hallway could maybe be a help to that but i would rather see that in a couple years allow him to develop properly in bakersfield and if you want to get some depth in your bottom six make it move at the deadline it's going to be a little tougher at the deadline to make that move because there's not uh there's no second and third round pick that ken holland can trade uh because they're t- both tied up in that duncan De- uh, keith deal um but you know uh, unless there's an injury for me personally I wouldn't be looking at him as a, a, a guy to bring up in March if you need to during a playoff push or in April in a playoff push, barring injury. But could the Oilers look at that? I, I guess it's very much possible. We'll just have to see how he does in Bakersfield. Now, what do you think the uh, surgery here for Dylan Holloway does to his chances to eventually play with the, the Oilers this season? It definitely has an impact. Now you're you're looking at a player who is going to be out three months. From what I've read about this inter, or this injury and and surgery, it might be more than that. And so we're, we're I think you're in that that spot where you just have to drift and hope for the best. Hopefully, you get some encouraging news. And my, my sense is he was going to play sometime this year before the news uh, that we got, and now I'm thinking that that is extremely unlikely. So I'll, I'll go from an 80% chance of playing in the National Hockey League during the 21-22 season to, to pretty close to zero, maybe 5%. I don't think there's any way. Maddie said it. You know, you're, you're never – you want to make sure this player uh, – gets into a situation where he can handle it, where you're not as worried about injury. And my suspicion is it's the AHL when he gets back and, and maybe he looks at, at contending for a spot on the roster next season at this time. I'm going to ask you guys both this question, but I'm going to start up with the uh, the younger players, the rookies, the second-year, third-year guys. Who are someone that you want to watch in training camp and potentially going into the preseason? You know, there's a couple of guys for me. Uh, up front, it's going to be Tyler Benson. You know, I know he's not necessarily that one, two-year guy, but he hasn't really played much in the National Hockey League. So I'd love to see whether Tyler Benson is a guy that can make this NHL roster, because if not, now when? Like, I think this is kind of it for Tyler Benson. If, if you want to be in a, an NHL player with the Edmonton Oilers. I think this is your final kick at the can for that. Um, and then the other player is going to be the guy in net in Conavolo for me because there's been a lot of discussion about what's going to happen with the goaltending. Ken Holland for the second straight offseason hasn't gone out there and got the Oilers the goaltender of the future. Um, they didn't go and draft the guy during the draft partly because they have Skinner and Conavolo. But Conavolo to me I think maybe is the main guy that we're looking at long term. So how far away is he? And I would like to see some him up the goals in person. Never seen him play hockey before um and number two i'd like to see him go up against some nhlers and i know preseason it's not necessarily the nhl it's you know regular season you're not getting the players at their best but it's still some nhl competition you're going up against some guys who will be uh, fighting for roster spots with their team so for me i, I would like to see what kind of all of is because could he be a guy that the oilers are looking at 
in the next few years is at the very least even a backup for this team. So those are kind of the two I'm looking at. I think uh, one of the the really interesting players this year is Philip Broberg for me. And, and I'll tell you why. In, in Sweden, uh, you know, based on the numbers and based on what I saw and based on talking to uh, Mike Zanier and some other folks who are over there in Sweden, uh, the, the feeling was he could use another year, either in Sweden or in the AHL. But you know, there's something about playing on the smaller ice that has really benefited Broberg's game at the Halinka, which was at Rogers, uh, in the bubble, also at Rogers, and then at the World Juniors before he got hurt uh, last Christmas. He seems to be more dynamic with the smaller ice surface. He's a very fast player. Uh, coverage is, is not as difficult. You're not going to get beaten wide on the, the smaller ice as often. And I think that, that Broberg is, is a player who maybe people are uh, looking past because who was on the board when they took him? And the fact that, that, you know, his SHL numbers weren't grand. And th- this is a player who's 20 years old. He's fast as lightning. You won't find a better skater straightforward in, uh, on the ice until Darnell Nurse hits camp. But I, I think that Broberg is a guy to watch for. I also think Samarikov, for a lot of the same reasons, he's an older player. He's 23. Uh, he had a great year in the KHL, and he's been cleared to play, which is pretty big news. So of the group that has been drafted, like in recent years, those two defensemen are, are ones that that I'm going to be looking at. Now, when you look at the offseason acquisitions, Zach Hyman, obviously Warren Fogel coming over for Carolina, Derek Ryan, you've got Duncan Keith, Cody Cece. In terms of the veteran players that are new to this team, or even if there's someone else you just want to bring up that you're going to be focused on, who is it, starting with you, Matt? Um, I guess one of those will be Duncan Keith, because who is Duncan Keith? This is a guy that the Oilers brought in, and there was a lot of discussion about what he brings to this team, both on and off the ice. But on the ice, it's, he's going to need to be important, because he's going to be a second-pairing defenseman, and he's got a massive cap hit, and that's why there was the concerns about Duncan Keith, was is he a guy that is going to bring you the play that you need for a guy with a, over a $5 million cap hit? So I'll be intrigued to see what type of play he has, um, particularly because he's also not going to be the number one defenseman on this team. He's going to be playing behind Darnell Nurse. Uh, so what can he do? What is Duncan Keith at 38 years old? Obviously, you want to see what type of chemistry Zach Hyman would have with Connor McDavid. We know from Sidney Crosby years. It's not as easy as just always putting great players or good players together where there's that immediate chemistry and they do great things. So uh, are we going to see that chemistry with Zach Hyman um, and uh, Connor McDavid, and then I'm going to stick with defensively because there is no Adam Larson, and we know how important he was for this team. Um, so can Cody Cece be a guy who, you know, based on his numbers last year in Pittsburgh, if I'm not mistaken, with some of the advanced numbers, he was a little lesser, uh, a poor man's uh, Adam Larson, if you will. So if he can keep playing that way in non-contract year, then uh, he's coming in at a lower cap than Adam Larson. Maybe the Oilers will be okay there. Um, but he signed a four-year deal, and sometimes when you see those guys come in after uh, a big a contract year and get the big extension, the play's not there. So uh, to me, it'll be the two veteran guys on the back end in Keith and CeCe, but also just how soon could we see the chemistry between Zach Hyman and Connor McDavid? How about you, Al? Well, for me, Hyman is the, the number one guy, and, and I'll tell you why. I know he'll play well. Uh, I, I, I kind of reviewed what Toronto had done and some of the, the writing that had gone on about Hyman's game in Toronto, and he can play on the third line very well. He can move up to the top line. He can play either wing. He's got a lot of utility, but what the Oilers need him to do, and I think the reason they signed him, is to be a really good pair partner for Connor McDavid. He really hasn't had that since Patrick Maroon. Everybody scores with McDavid, but I, I think that the, what 
what you want from, um, I think it's going to be Pugliarvi, but we'll see. What you want from Pugliarvi and Hyman are, are good two-way players who can help suppress the offense going the other way. Uh, McDavid has a tendency to, to have just brilliant breakouts, but if they don't score or get a penalty call, sometimes the puck is racing back the other way. And Hyman is a, a he has really good two-way ability, and I think he'll, he'll definitely contribute on the offense, but he's more of a 200-foot player, uh, and I think that they would have used Ryan Nugent Hopkins there, but the chemistry just wasn't there a year ago, so they moved to Hyman. He's he's the top guy I'm looking at, and then I agree with uh, Matthew on Duncan Keith. I think people are focused on Keith as being a, a, a real net negative. I don't think that's true. I think he's a really good puck passer. He can outlet. He can still uh, move the puck well. Uh, he's a veteran. There are things that he can't do well anymore, like if he uh, pinches in or gets caught in the blue line on a, uh, on a turnover, he does not have the breakneck speed to beat the uh, the forward back to the net, and that's going to be a problem. However, that's pretty much a problem for for most defensemen in the National Hockey League. So you're, there's been a lot of talk about what Keith can't do, and I think a little less about what he can do. I'm looking forward to seeing him on display because he's always been one of my favorite players. I know he's older. I think he's going to surprise people based on uh, a lot of the negative media that he's got so far. And I think also just going to jump in here too is, is that with this, Zach Hyman, if that works with him and McDavid and Pulley Yarvey, I know it's been a bit removed and I know we still need to see a contract signed by Kyle Yamamoto, but it allows Dave Tippett to put out dry settle Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto potentially out there again. And what if they could find 80% of that success that they had at the end of the, the, the 20 season, um, you know, between January and March or whatever it was. If you get a line like that that's producing at 80% of what they did, plus a, a top line led by Connor David with Zach Hyman. That's two pretty scary options. So it'd be interesting to see if that line could get back to what they what we we've seen from them. Support for this week's episode is brought to you by DraftKings. Week one may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports bidding partner of the NFL. To kick off week two, DraftKings is giving new customers two hundred dollars in free bets instantly when they bet a dollar on any football game. They'll listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any Week 2 games to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with our daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a dollar bet on any football game, that's promo code THPN. This week at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Now, back to the show. Matthew Iwanica, TSN 1260, and Alan Mitchell of TSN 1260 and The Athletic joining me here on the Other Connor Podcast, taking a look at the Edmonton Oilers as they are set to get going, uh, training camp, all the tests, all that sort of stuff coming up shortly here. Uh, Ken Holland making a move on Wednesday. Colton Sevier bringing him in as a PTO. He spent last year with the Pittsburgh Penguins, had 10 points twice in his career. He scored 11 goals, now the, the most recent one being back in 2017-2018. So it's been a little while, but starting with you, Matt, uh, what do you make of this move? And say going percentage wise uh, what are the chances you think he ends up with the Oilers next season 
Well, one, I think it's just you're bringing in some extra depth or for competition when it comes to uh, training camp. And if there's a guy that produces a little bit, they're excellent. We know that the Oilers have had their problems over the years with their bottom six. So um, bringing in extra competition is going to bring out, hopefully bring out the best in everyone else. I guess the other thing that is kind of being thrown out there is we're looking at vaccination rates. And what does that mean, especially when you're a Canadian franchise with the U.S. and the border and our flight's going to be impacted, our charter flight's going to be impacted. And I know there's some question marks about a guy like maybe Josh Archibald, whether he's vaccinated or not, and what that could potentially do. So um, if you might be down one of your players potentially because of the vaccination, it makes sense to bring in some extra depth and, and a guy who can maybe play in. But also I think it's just overall a guy that comes in here and, and forces everyone else to be better because there's just another guy fighting for a job. And he's not just fighting for a job. He's fighting for a contract. At least the other guys have a contract. As you'd expect that Connor would come in and, and you know really be pushing some of these guys. Uh, and then, you know, hopefully if you're Dave Tippett and Ken Holland in the end, you've got a lot of guys fighting for spots and you have tough decisions to make at the end of training camp, but good tough decisions where you're filling out a bottom six, but you have a lot of different options. That's the way I look at this PTO. Al, what do you think about bringing in uh, Colton Sevier on the uh, PTO? Well, he's very similar to Josh Archibald. And so that was the first thing that, that rang in my brain was, you know, you, you, you have a, a penalty killer, an energy guy, a guy who's playing both Archibald, uh, and Sevier are, are players who are just right on the edge. When they play to their, their utmost ability, they're NHL players and they can help you. And they, they do valuable things for the coach, like kill penalties. Uh, and, and, Sevier's got good speed, so there's a lot you can do with that player. Now, the problem is you can't have too many of them. So I, I'm not confused because this is a PTO. He, he There's every chance Sevier is going to come in here, play well, and then sign in Seattle or Arizona or wherever. that ha- Or Calgary, I guess. They like picking up the scraps from Edmonton. But the the, the point is he's a very similar player. Uh, Matt, Matt's po- I'm not going to follow him anymore. He just makes all the good points. But his point about uh, about you know the uncertainty of vaccinations and the, the the really punishing regulations that the league has put down. I'm not saying it's a negative uh, uh, regulation, but there's a lot on a player uh, to be healthy. And if you're not, the impact is is really great. And so that's that's sort of where I was, you know, heading in my mind. Uh, but Matty already articulated it very well. So I'll just say, yeah, good point by Matthew. Well, we're about halfway, a little bit halfway through the uh, conversation here. I don't want to keep you guys too long. So, Al, I'm going to let you answer questions first so Matt Thank doesn't you. get all the good answers. I should have done that a little <laughs> earlier. Bad interviewing. That's uh, that's my bad. Uh, Matty, though, did talk about Kyler Yamamoto, so thank you for bringing that up, Matt. But hold on. We're going to let Lotai talk about it first. Uh, I had Struddy on the podcast last week, and you know he said quite often, like, he's he's really hurting himself not being there with the team right now, uh, being around the guys. Obviously, he's going to be staying in shape, but it would be, you know, doing himself a bit more of a service to be with the guys. How long do you think he waits before signing that contract or trying to find common ground and getting this deal done? Well, it's already danger area. Ethan Bear signed right after Christmas, and January 13th was opening night, so he had, like, what, you know, I'll say two weeks, if... Uh, to get ready and, and, you know, he struggled at the beginning. Then he was concussed and he never did get where you want him to be, uh, as a top four defenseman. And then he ends up getting traded. So th- this is a dangerous time. And look, I get it. I understand the frustration of the, the agent and the frustration of the player. But the bottom line is that, that Ken Holland does this. Uh, Peter Shirelli didn't used to. There was always a, a little more leeway and the, the second contract would end up being a little more attractive for the player. But there's a new sheriff in town. Holland is 
going for it, and this is the, the decision he's made, and he has the, the power to do it with this contract only. The next time, uh, it'll obviously be a little different for Kato Yamamoto. But getting it signed is is important for Yamamoto, for the team. He's a very valuable player. Uh, and, and if they sign it like tomorrow, then I think no harm, no foul. But once these guys start playing and practicing and, and the coach is there, then that's a problem. Matt, when you look at this team and without Kyler Yamamoto, let's say it is Zach Hyman, Connor McDavid, Jesse Pugliarvi on the top line, you mentioned the, the dry line as some color with Nuge, Leon Dryasettle, and Kyler Yamamoto. If number 56 isn't there, is there anyone in your mind that, that slides in and, and can take advantage of this and get some looks on that second line? Well, the first two guys that come to mind would be Zach Cassian and Josh Archibald, but now we've already had our conversation about Josh Archibald, and, and there's going to be some questions there. So the other guy would be naturally Zach Cassian. Uh, this is a guy that hasn't really played well since his contract in 2020. So, you know, but I, I give him this excuse in the bubble. I don't give it to him as an excuse as last year, but some people still will. And he seems like a guy that maybe feeds a little more from the crowd and from the energy. Um, so maybe you know, he's a guy that with the fans coming back actually can get back to the way he was playing before that contract extension. One of the reasons he got that contract extension. So I think naturally right off the bat, you think maybe a Zach Cassian would be a guy there, but, and that's the thing about Kyler Yamamoto not signing is what are you doing here, dude? You know, like this isn't a guaranteed spot for you. When you sign with this team, if you sign a month later, it's not like you're going to necessarily be given that second line spot unless no one takes the job. You are not put in pen on that second line. So it's your spot to start, but that could easily change. So why would you allow someone else when you're this young in your career and you are not 100% fully established as a top six forward right now in the NHL, why would you allow someone else to take that chance? Like what? What are you potentially thinking here? If you're Kyler Yamamoto, but to the question, I think because there's also a little bit of questions with Archibald, I think it's that Cassian. Uh, Al, one of your coworkers over at the Athletic, uh, Daniel Nugent Bowman, had an article today, uh, and one of the quotes that came out of it was from the Oilers' captain Connor McDavid, saying the rule book's there for a reason, and when you want to call it with integrity. If you let guys get away with certain things, they're going to keep getting away with it. Uh, one of the topics we talked about in the playoff run was that, man, the uh, the referee sure don't want to give Connor McDavid a penalty call when it sure looked like he probably deserved some. Uh, Maddie, I know you talked about it on the Jameson show today, but the the captain's got a point here, right? Like the the ref's got to kind of at some point see it's it's black and white. If a penalty's committed, you got to blow the whistle. Yeah, I think it's just human behavior and I don't, I don't have an answer for you, but it, it's like if you honestly just watched Connor McDavid every shift, there could be a penalty against the opposition pretty much every shift. And I'm not lying. He's just that good. And I think that, that because referees know they can't call everything, then they end up calling nothing, which sounds insane. But I, I, I think if you're not going to call the first play, then why are you calling the third play? And there's a, there's, you can be accused of being very arbitrary about it. And what happens is you end up with this mess where, in all honesty, I mean, referees, I'm sure, privately go, yeah, I know. But it's kind of embarrassing that uh, every year, rationally speaking, Connor McDavid should lead the league in penalties drawn. Anybody who argues that again against that just has to watch the guy. The, the NHL obviously doesn't doesn't want that they want it to be a rough league they don't want anybody to get away with you know uh anything but they also can't give you 15 power plays a game so we're left with this kind of 
you know, un, unhappy medium where, where Connor McDavid, it's basically open season on him. And especially when the Oilers get a goal or two on the power play early, then it, the whistles are put away. And, and I don't have an answer, but I'm hoping it's better this season. I mean, yeah, I think a lot of people would be. And if you were to go back and say, look at the last five years, and Connor McDavid led the league in penalties drawn each and every year, I think any hockey fan with half a brain would say, yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. But it's not really there. And, uh, you know, Connor McDavid talking about it here. Matt, I know you, you brought it up with Hernan Salas today on the Dave Jamison show, and some people say it's whining. Do you see it that way? Well, no, but they're also calling me the whiner. So I generally, when you're whining, I'm guessing you don't realize it. But um, it's one of those, uh, no, I think it's people looking at how does this game get better? How do you attract more fans? How do you sit it down someone who's never watched hockey and show them things that are happening to Connor McDavid or Nathan McKinnon or Austin Matthews and then no penalty? But you say, yeah, it's in the rule book, you know, cross-checking. Yeah, it's in the rule book. You're not allowed to cross-check. But there's a cross-check on Connor McDavid. It's allowed just because this player is a third-line defense, a third-pairing defenseman, and he's not good enough. Like, I don't know how that sells the game. You know, the two problems they have is, one, people thinking that, you know, it's just going to lead to a whole bunch of power plays and the game's just going to be power plays. Well, initially it will be, but eventually the opposition and the players are going to adjust and the power plays will come down because otherwise they're going to get laid into and chewed out by their coaches time and time again, and they're going to eventually not get contracts. So while early on, if they start cracking down on the rule book and call the rule book as is, there will be uh, early in the season a lot of power plays. That's going to taper off, and we'll go back to normal hockey a little after that too. It's why do we... Why does, is the NHL like the only league that tries to bring its stars down to everyone else? Where they give the benefit of the doubt to the players that are lesser in skill because, oh, it's so tough, as opposed to saying, you want to catch Connor McDavid, you want to catch Nathan McKinnon, be better. Work harder in the summer. Figure it out some other way. But these are the people people are paying to watch. This is where the money is going. This is where the eyeballs want to see. And we want the skill to shine. I get that this this sport is rough, and I get that it's physical, and we don't want to fully get rid of that. But if you call the rule book as the rule book, that's, that's all you have to do, because otherwise, what's the point of this rule book? Like, why do we have the rule book if you're not going to call it? So um, I don't think it's whining. I think it's ways to get this game in a better spot. And the league's got to be careful of this because betting is growing and people are caring more about betting. And this is also betting's leading to the popularity of some sports. And if people don't know how games are going to go because they have no idea about the officiating in any given night, uh, they're going to put their money somewhere else. And that's a lot of money gone away from the NHL. Guys, final question for you today here, and uh, I appreciate you guys hopping on with me. Dave Tippett signing a contract with the Oilers May 28th, 2019. By my calculations, it's been two years, three months, and 18 days since signing that. He will uh, potentially, well, I don't know. I'm going to ask you both. Do you think he's back next season? Do you think he gets an extension this year, or does he have something to prove, starting with you, Al? I think that that he'll be back next year. Uh, If they miss the playoffs... Then he, he might be vulnerable. If they lose in four straight, maybe. But even with that, I don't, I don't, you know, look, Ken Holland said it. When he got here, he was, he was just adding veterans to try to, you know, uh, catch up and, and keep pace while McDavid and Drysaddle were off the ice. This team is, is more substantial. And, and they got to the playoffs twice. The expectation is they're going to do it again and then have some success. So, the wheels could fall off and they could miss the playoffs or they could play so poorly again. But I think Ken Holland will uh, gift Dave Tippett a stronger goaltender at the deadline, and I think they'll win a round, and I believe he'll be back. Um, 
I think it all comes down to playoff success. If they miss the playoffs, he's gone. I think if there's a first-round exit, I don't care even if it's seven. I think at that point, with all the attention that has been drawn on it, it's win-now mode. Uh, if you go three straight years without a playoff success, uh, even a playoff series win with Connor McDavid, uh, and the coach not having an extension, I, I think that reads a little bit. You know, generally coaches, they don't like being lame ducks. Anyone who's watched Moneyball knows how Art Howe felt about going into a season without a contract. So um, I think it all comes down to a playoff series win. If he gets at least one playoff series win, I think he'll be back as a head coach next year. Uh, but without that, you know, you got a guy named Jay Woodcroft who's coaching Bakersfield, and one day he's going to get a head coaching job. So uh, do you want to potentially lose him to stick around with a coach who hasn't won a playoff series with Connor McDavid. I think that's the big thing. If Dave Tippett finds a way to get a playoff series win with this team this year, he's back. If he doesn't, I think he's gone. Guys, and you know what? Art Howe, he was the whiner, just so everybody knows. Oh, we talk, and I love how – I'm glad the movie showed it a little bit in there, but how Art Howe gets all the credit for everything that's going on, but it took Billy Bean having to cut guys and trade guys for the <laughs> roster to be used as it should. True story. <laughs> it all happened. It was a, that was a great movie, by the way. Big book, better book. Oh, yeah. Typically uh, typically that's the way it goes, Maddie. We'll break down the Oakland Athletics uh, next time you guys hop on <laughs> the show here. We are about 10 days away from preseason hockey. Oilers down in Calgary to take on the Flames. Thank you guys so much for doing this today. I really appreciate it. Go Ravens. Well, yeah, great. I'm going to thank at least you didn't say the Yankees. Excellent stuff from Matthew Wanick and Alan Mitchell. Of course, you can catch Matthew Wanick on the Dave Jamison Show Monday through Friday from noon till 2 on TSN 1260. Alan Mitchell on the lowdown with Low Tide, 10 a.m. until noon, Monday through Friday on TSN 1260. You can also get his writing at The Athletic. Appreciate those guys hopping on the first episode of Season 2 of the Other Connor Podcast. Of course, we're just a couple of weeks away from preseason action, and then before you know it, regular season will be underway i'm looking forward to it and looking forward to getting this podcast going with some actual games to comment about i want to thank you all so much for tuning in to this show today big thank you to our sponsor DraftKings. sign up today make sure to use promo code thpn when you do so also the fine folks at the other connor podcast have a great weekend everybody we'll be back on tuesday with another edition of this show taking a look at those edmonton oilers my name's connor halley give me a follow on twitter at connor halley we'll talk to you next time Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.